Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> We're continuing our, our look at the Psalms and uh, our look at prayer and what prayer is and what prayer does uh, in our Lenten midweek services. And, and this week we have Psalm 139. It's this beautiful reflection on who God is. It's David talking about God's omniscience, God's omnipotence, you know, the fact that he is all-knowing and all-powerful and present everywhere, that there's, that there's no escape from our God. It's a beautiful prayer. In fact, it's one of the best-known uh, psalms in the, in the whole Psalter, or at least one of the most beloved uh, certainly it's no Psalm 23, but it's one that we know verses from, and you probably recognize some when you heard it. And this beautiful reflection on the nature of God, it, it, it's the kind of thing that happens to us from time to time in our life. It's the kind of thing that can be inspired in us, and I think usually uh, by two major, uh, major sort of circumstances. One is a time of great beauty. And so this, uh, this happened to me uh, right before covid uh, and it was, it was like right before COVID. It was late February 2020. And uh, the church staff and, and, uh, and some of the school staff as well, we go down to a conference in Phoenix every year uh, in late February. And we were going down that February, but I went a little bit early and I went with my brother to, to backpack in the Grand Canyon. And we, uh, we hiked down to Phantom Ranch, and then uh, we, we took two days to hike back up. And right in the middle, we stayed at this campsite about halfway up the canyon. And uh, the Grand Canyon's a real dark place, you know, especially at night. And so once night fell, we went out of our tent and, and looked up. As you can imagine, there's quite a bit of grandeur there. There's quite a bit of beauty. There's quite a few stars that we can't see here in Bethalto because it's so dark there. And the words that came to mind were the words actually not of this psalm, but of another psalm of David, Psalm 8. And he says there, he's kind of doing the same thing. He's reflecting on the nature of God looking at creation. And he says there, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? David's had the experience that we have sometimes. And middle schoolers, you probably had this experience at some point too. It often happens in late elementary school when you start to kind of figure out how big and vast space is, how humongous this universe is that we find ourselves in, and you start to feel pretty small when that happens. And as a part of it, turns your thoughts to, to is something else out there, turns your thoughts to the reflection on God that David's doing in Psalm 8. And here in Psalm 139 as well, reflection on who God is and what he's done and this place he's created. That's one of the ways that we kind of get to this place where David is. In these times of great beauty or these times when we realize vastness and how small we are. And very often Psalm 139 is read as if, or at least the verses that we read, is read they're read as if this is what's happening. But there's another time that we find ourselves reflecting on the nature of God, too. And it's, it's times not of beauty, but of tragedy. For me, you have to go back a little bit farther for this one. Uh, it was 2004, and I was actually on vacation that time, too. Uh, we were teaching in Indonesia, and uh, we were on our Christmas break, and we're traveling with my in-laws. They had come over to Indonesia to visit us. We were in the middle of the island of Java, and I woke up one morning, it was the day after Christmas, to my phone ringing. 
It was my brother on the line. It was a strange time for him to call because it would have been pretty late at night here. And, and he called, and what I found out from the phone call is that while I lay there sleeping, 167,000 people on the island right next to me were killed in a tsunami in an instant. Worldwide, the number was well over 200,000. And I remember sitting in the, the restaurant of the hotel and watching the news and kind of reflecting on the magnitude of what had happened. And it didn't stop there. I, I was teaching at the time, and I was teaching religion classes, so when we went back from Christmas break, that's all we talked about. And the kids were also reflecting on all this stuff, too. Questions like, where is God? Why is he, why is he letting these things happen? Why is he allowing this stuff? That's the kind of moment that also takes us back to this reflection on who our God is. And so which one is it? In Psalm 139, these psalms, these, 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 these words of David, which, which one is it? Very often, as I said, it's read as the first one, as it's kind of this moment of great beauty that David is sort of taking in and reflecting on the God who made everything. But actually, if you read about three verses past where we stopped, the psalm takes a turn. And David starts talking about a situation that he's dealing with, something very difficult. And the way that he addresses God in that situation is he starts off with, if only, or oh that, you would take care of this. You would fix it. If only you would do that, God means he's in the middle of something that he would like God to, to fix, to take care of. And it changes the whole nature of the psalm. It changes how you read all the other verses because what you realize is that as David writes these words, as he prays these words, he's in the middle of something that not only has made him angry, but that has also made him go back and think through who the God he worships actually is. Have you been there before? Have you been in that place before where, 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 where you're not only frustrated or upset or, or, or in tragedy, but as a result, you're going back and thinking about who God is? It happens. Christians have crises of, crises of faith. In fact, a lot of people who leave the church, one of the reasons they do is because just, just exactly this, crisis of faith. When they look out or we look out and we see disaster or we see injustice or we see a world that's absolutely full of sin that seems to go totally unchecked, we end up asking ourselves questions. Where's God? What's he doing? Why is he allowing all of this to happen? When we see evil in the world, how do we respond? That's one thing that David lays before us. And I think as Christians, and David actually spells out this answer, we'll get, it there, get to that in just a minute. One of the answers we have to give is very simply, I don't know. Very honestly, I don't know why God is allowing it. I don't know why this is happening. And David says that, and like I said, we'll get to it in just a second, but he also turns us to the idea that there's something more than that. Then that's not, he turns us to the idea that that's not all that we can say. And 
That's why he's reflecting on who God is. That's why he's reflecting on the all-powerful and ever-present and all-knowing nature of God. Now think about those things for just a second. In the middle of crisis, those attributes of God, the fact that God is all-powerful and God is all-knowing and God is present everywhere, if it was all you knew about God... It doesn't give you any comfort. If you didn't know anything else about God, that's not helpful in the middle of tragedy. Knowing that there is a being out there that is present everywhere and all-powerful, can do whatever he wants, and knows everything, it's not helpful unless you have the gospel. It's not comforting unless you know that that same God loves you. None of this matters if our God isn't loving. None of this matters if you don't have the gospel. None of this matters if you don't know John 3.16. None of this matters if God didn't love the world so much that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But the thing we know is that he did. The thing that David knew was that this God that he's praying to is a loving God, and that's why we trust. Because God doesn't just tell us he loves us. He doesn't just say that he loves us. He doesn't even just uh, act out or demonstrate that he loves us. No, he does love to us on the cross. He loves us to the end. He loves us so much that it costs him his life. That's why we trust And that's why we trust in prayer. Because the Son has come to make us children of God. You know, there's basically two ways that anybody looks at prayer. My confirmation kids know this very well. Anybody, Christian or not, anybody who prays looks at prayer in one of two ways. And almost everybody else, and unfortunately some Christians too, look at it very transactionally. Like, I gotta, I gotta say the right words, I gotta do the right things, I gotta pray enough or pray hard enough or something like that, and God will give me what I want. That's transactional. I'm doing something so that God will give me something. And it's not the biblical way to look at prayer. See, the Christian way to look at prayer comes to us with the words of Jesus Our Father, who art in heaven. We can say those words to God. Because Jesus made us children of God. We can call God our Father because the Son died for us. And see, a good Father loves you. And a good Father wants what's best for you. Even, by the way, if you don't know exactly what's best for yourself. You ever had that (laughs) when you were a kid? Dad won't let you do something that you thought you should? That never happened to me, of course. Just everybody else. No, a good father wants what's best for you, even if you don't know what's best for yourself. And this father, the father that David's talking about in Psalm 139, knows what's best in ways that we don't and ways that we can't. See, when you understand the psalm this way, when you understand that David is dealing with something really, really difficult, you understand the words of verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high, I cannot attain it. You understand those words as saying, God, I don't know what you're doing here. And I wish it was different. I wish you were doing something different. But what I know is that you know better than I do. 
That's what David tells us. We don't know exactly why God does what, we do, what he does, but we do know that this father has done something about the problem of evil on the cross. And we do know that this father has promised us something, that one day we will live in a world where evil no longer exists. And that's why we trust the promises of God. Paul says it this way. This is Romans 8. It's verse 32. He says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? How will he not also graciously give us all things? Paul didn't live an easy life, especially after his conversion. He was shipwrecked, he was imprisoned, he was tortured, he was left for dead. He didn't live an easy life. In fact, three times he prayed to God, asking God to take away what he called a thorn in his flesh. We're not sure what it is, but something that wouldn't leave him alone. And God says, nope, my grace is sufficient for you. And even in times like that, even through all the stuff Paul goes through, he can write these words because he knows that something better is coming. There's a prayer we pray at funerals a lot. And it expresses this really, really well. See, funerals are one of those times that are difficult. One of those times when we find ourselves sometimes in crises of faith. One of those times when we go back to reflecting on who God is and what he's doing in the world. And here's the prayer that we pray. I love the wording of this prayer. Help us, we pray, in the midst of things that we cannot understand, to listen to your calling and serve you. That's a prayer not just for funerals. It's one that we could very easily pray at just about all times in our lives. Because it's a prayer that trusts in the middle of hard times. It's a prayer like the prayer that David prays in Psalm 139. It's a prayer that looks at God's wisdom and God's power and God's presence. Looks at all those things and trusts that because of Jesus, those things are from me. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds, keeping them 